welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. the glory of God so bright that as you looked at him, the countenance would change. How many noticed when this young lady was leading us in worship this morning that her countenance and her face were shining? How many saw that? When I came to church, it looked like the walking dead as I grew up. (laughs) I was christened, confirmed. How many had this catechism? Anyone been through that and have that somewhere in the stamp collection? Marbles down the bottom of the... I was brought up in the traditional high church. Um, the smells and bowels, stand up, sit down and kneel. And I had not encountered God. I didn't see the glory of God appear upon people. And when I came to church years later, what struck me is that their eyes, there was a spark. It was almost like... Oh, the man, the places I go to... <laughs> It looks fairly dark. But when the light of God touches a person, how many know it should be an inward transformation and somehow outwardly shine? And amazingly, of course, Moses never entered the promised land because he got angry with the congregation and with the people. But what's so amazing that God's very gracious. He always seems to make a way to bring people into the promises of God. And here in um, Matthew... Jesus, for six days, he takes Peter, James, and John up onto this high mountain, and he is transfigured before them. His face begins to shine, what? Like the sun. Can you imagine Jesus' face? He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I and the Father are one. When you've seen me, you've seen the Heavenly Father. And of course, when we read in the book of Daniel, it says, God the Father, the Ancient of Days, sat upon a throne of fire, white raiment, his hair was white like wool, like snow, and his face, what? Shining. This is the glory of God. And um, it says here that Jesus transfigures before Peter, James, and, and John, and his face shines, what? Like the sun, and his garments become as white as light. Can you imagine seeing that? <laughs> you think that might wreck you? It kind of changed you, wouldn't it? And then it says here that then Moses appeared and Elijah, two men in the Old Testament who actually didn't fulfill their destiny. Moses never entered the promised land and Elijah ran from Jezebel and lost his mantle. But you know how God loves to do that? How many have wrecked your life so far and done a fair few things wrong and don't exactly feel like you're walking in the light? Anyone here? Only three of you. (laughs) Have you looked in the mirror lately? (laughs) What you fix your eyes upon will change you. So I say, fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And the Jesus that we're to fix our eyes upon isn't dead. He's alive. He's glorified. His face, this revelation says, his face shines like the the sun. His head and his hair are white like wool. This is what Jesus looked like before he came to earth. He took on the form of man, but he was God. He was with the Father in Genesis, creating, let us create man in our image. 
He was there when the universe was created. You're very quiet people in here. <laughs> he is the light of the world. He's the word of God made flesh. And we behold him, the glory of the only begotten Son of God. See, the disciples beheld him. Remember when the shepherds were there and Mary's about to bring, give birth, it says the glory of God shone down upon shepherds in the field. The glory of God came down and said, you, I want you to go to the city of David and, and you're going you're to meet the Son of God. A virgin will bring to birth Emmanuel, God with us. Isn't it exciting that God can be with you? Not just someone out there, but the mystery of the gospel is Christ in us, the hope of glory. We don't have little Jesuses running around inside of us. I just thought Christ is seated and glorified in the heavens. He holds the universe in the palm of his hands. He uses the earth as a footstool. But we're talking about the Spirit of God who brings us an encounter and revelation through our heart with the mysteries of Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory, the person of the Holy Spirit drawing us closer into the glory realm. God's heart is that we'd be transformed from glory to glory, that we would actually encounter the living Christ, the risen Savior. So often we have him uh, hanging on a cross still dead. Do you realize a dead person doesn't speak much? How many have seen a few people having him hang around the neck still? Thank God the cross is empty. The person who died, that wasn't the end of the story. That was the entry point for mankind to meet the risen one. The stone has been rolled away. Behold, he is alive. Are you alive? <laughs> are you living? <laughs> Have you pressed the self-destruct button or are you literally living for him? I didn't for 26 years. I'd heard about him. My mother knew him. I didn't. You can't live on someone else's faith. You can't live on someone else's experience. God wants you to encounter him yourself so you have a living relationship with a living person. Not a doctrine and faith, not a doctrine and a belief about the Bible. Many people have a doctrine and belief on this, but Jesus is not a Bible. He's a person. He's the living word of God made flesh. This talks about him, but it's not him. If you meet the person, he'll tell you the mysteries of this. But the encounter is from the heart. Anyhow, I'm going to get going because you're looking like I'm... Anyhow, I've got some photos somewhere. First one is my wife, Jane. It doesn't look like the clicker's working, so here we go. Um, we've been married uh, 30 years, and I'm more in love with her now than when I got married to her. Um, we've got three kids. There's uh, Michael, and Lisa, and Sarah, and uh, they look angelic, but they're not. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any look-alike angels in your family? <laughs> I mean, they looks are deceiving. <laughs> Anyhow, God bless them. Come from uh, New Zealand. It's, we can run through some photographs of it. Tourist brochure. Um, oh yeah. yeah, that's where I'm living. It's called the Mount or Mount Monganui, and good fishing in the harbour, and good um, shrimp in the. Put another shrimp on the barbie <laughs> and a bit of surf. Nothing like Australia. 
and in 1980, um, I decided to travel the world surfing. Slow down. We'll be at the end of the slide before I even start speaking, girl. <laughs> She's quick. <laughs> I'm going to put that thing away. <laughs> I'll, I'll pretend, shall I? It might be easy. You can see my thumb. How many hate computers? I hate them. How many know we actually had friendship before those stupid things turned up? We used to get letters that would last about three months before they got to you and you could reply. Now you've got to, re- you've got to reply instantly because they know you've already read it. <laughs> I like stamps. Three months later, I'll get a reply. Anyhow, so here I am. I'm surfing around the world looking for the endless summer. Traveled up through Australia first. Come up through here, Lakes District and Fosters, and then all the way up to Noosa. Then went up into Bali, and then down to Mauritius, uh, Reunion Island, South Africa. And in 1982, I was coming back to New Zealand for my brother's wedding, and I ended up, um, oh, we can go back, where were you? Oh, there we are, to an island called Mauritius. Left, next, next photograph, good left-hand reef break, any surface here? One, two. <laughs> what a waste of coastline, huh? <laughs> I mean, my God, don't tell them. Yeah, go south, go to Bateman's Bay or something, mate. <laughs> See, surfers are very territorial. <laughs> they just hope no one finds it out. And so here I am surfing on this beautiful island before the Billabong crew turned up and wrecked it. And um, I was living with a local Creole fisherman, the next photograph. This is Simon. He's one of the local Rastafarians, Peter Tosh, Bob Marley. Don't worry, be happy. Smoke more hashish. <laughs> I'm obviously not a Nimbin Sinbin or Byron Bay. <laughs> Mullumbimmy. <laughs> so here I am. In those years, it was Cheech and Chong. Anyone remember those years? Old Cheech and Chong movie, mate. <laughs> Some of you look like you still could be. <laughs> Feel at home now. Corumban mushroom. So here I am. My world was basically a non-Christian. You understand? My mum went to church, my grandmother's in the choir, but my generation, we'd come Christmas, Easter, or weddings and funerals. Does that make any sense? Just to keep mum happy? (laughs) Or if my grandmother grabbed me, she'd drag me in? And so my world was something, I knew how to do church, but it wasn't for me. I was open now to all types of alternate beliefs, and I was checking everything out. In other words, I was completely lost, (laughs) but didn't know it. So I'm living with the local Rustas. Next photograph. Um, I was living on a beautiful island. I was waiting for a flight back to New Zealand for my brother's wedding. And this is what we'd be diving for. We'd dive at night on the outer reef for craze, uh, for crab. And um, a bit, bit like spotlighting at night. They come out and scavenge the reef. Next photograph. As I dived, it was the 19th of April, 1982. Just a little while, a few years. How many time speeds up as you get older? So I'm 26 years of age, and my life's about to be completely changed forever. Um, complete atheist. I was a consultant. I'd done veterinary science at university. They used to pay me 400 bucks an hour to advise them. It would be nice for them to do that now. <laughs> so in those years, I was um, working in that realm, and I'd seen most of Jacques Cousteau's programs on TV. There was no internet in those years. So you had to read encyclopedias and try and check out whatever information was available. And so I had heard about the box jellyfish. 
but I'd never seen a photograph because underwater photography was in its infancy in those years. Um, I was a lifeguard, I was an instructor in scuba. My mother, mother thought I had fish blood in me. Because I was either on the water, under the water, sailing, fishing, diving. And this jellyfish, as it swam in front of me, was quite transparent. What was unusual was that out from the bell there was the cube, which most jellyfish don't have, and finger-like tentacles. I was unsure what it was, and in fascination with my leather gloves, reached out and grabbed it. As it passed through my hand, I thought, oh, yeah, this is a jellyfish. Never seen one like that, whatever, keep diving. And as you know, in Australia, what was it? Oh, well, hello, rocket science. Cubonis class, Chlorinex flacrae, a, a box jellyfish. The most lethal, well, some, some encyclopedias say the most lethal neurotoxin known to man. Um, 100 times more deadly than a cobra. Uh, the Pacific blue-winged octopus is supposed to have more venom, but almost no one gets bitten by them because they have to bite you literally in between the finger joints. Uh, very hard for the teeth of the, of the um, Pacific blue-winged octopus to, to harm you. Australians have had over 80 fatalities from the box jellyfish and potentially many more which were blamed on they call the Portuguese man of war which they found out later has killed no one. And so here I am diving amongst, uh, turns out to be, within a very short period of time, thousands of box jellyfish in the water. Unfortunately, my wetsuit was a short sleeve vest. To me, the water at night in the tropics was warm, like a warm bath. And so I had a long john, short sleeve vest, and leather gloves to protect myself from the, jelly, from the cray, crayfish when you grab them. This night, fortunately, I'd also put Vaseline petroleum jelly over my face and my arms because I was getting bitten by sea lice. How many have bugs that just love to bite you? I mean, we're talking any bug out there, mate. You're just like the blood bank. For some reason, even at night, uh, sea lice would somehow find me and sink their fangs into me. So I thought, I'll try something different. <laughs> Not your brother. So. Yeah. I put it on my arm to protect myself. So this actually provided a thin film of protection. But to cut a long story short, I was hit by five adult box jellyfish. The impact would be like thousands of volts of electricity. By the time I got up onto the reef and into the boat, next photograph, my arm was up like Popeye, blistered. The tentacles had caused my skin to be blistered. It looked like it had been whipped across my forearm. When the Creole fishermen saw my arm, they called it in French, invisible, invisible. They said, pardon, invisible, tuck, c'est fini. Did anyone know what that meant? Un petit peu. My French was un petit peu. No, they spoke Creole, which was in a butchered form of French. You know, où est la surf? Qui se fait? So here I am. I'm hit by five of them. They're telling me one, invisible, c'est fini, the finish. When you see black Rastafarians turn white, I mean, this honky gets a little bit flippant freaked out. Now, I've never seen these guys frightened by anything. Tiger sharks didn't frighten them. Barracuda they weren't happy with. And the barracuda came in. Watch this one. But they were not frightened. So when you see them frightened, saying one will kill you, and they said, allez, allez, vitement, cut from a hospital, allez. How many knew what that meant? Go. To where? Quatre There's a quatre up near Bacquois, up in the top, at Rose Hill. I know where it is. I'm standing on the outer reef near Rivier Noir. <laughs> Not a good place. This is the 
local fishermen. It's a big game fishing lodge there, but it's not where tourists are. They're up in the north of Grand Bay. I'm in the local area. It's the middle of the night. They drag me into the boat, and as they get me to shore, I ask Simon, Ian, what, uh, what can I do for my arm, Simon? He said, pee on your arm. I went, what? He said, urinate on your arm. How many know the Aussie lifeguards can use vinegar? If they've got nothing else, they'll douse the person in vinegar. It causes the tentacles that are embedded in your flesh to let go. It doesn't stop the poison. It just stops any more poison coming in. I'm trying to apply manual tourniquet, but I can feel the poison going into my lungs, into my kidneys, and moving down my right leg. As I stand up, as we hit the beach, I collapse. The poison has already taken half of my body out. I talked to some Aussie lifeguards later, and they said, Ian, if you'd been hit in the throat, you'd have mostly be dead in the water within three or four minutes. Straight to the brain, straight to the heart. Fortunately, on the extremity, I've got a bit of time. Not a lot, but some time. The kid drags me out of the boat as I collapse up onto the main road. He then panics and goes, Mon frere, mon frere, sur la plage, Stephanie. I'm going, non, ambulance, gendarme, telephone. Sound French to you? Good. <laughs> One French person's going, yes. He's, I realize what he's wanting to do. He thinks the other divers are going to be killed. One of them is his brother. They have full wetsuits. To them, the water is cold. They're protected by their wetsuits, the rubber hoods, booties. I'm dying. I need someone to get me to hospital in Catravon, Victoria Hospital. This kid panics, runs back down the beach, jumps in the boat, and begins poling back out through the lagoon to rescue the other divers who don't need rescuing. Let me know we make mistakes. I'm now left on the side of the road feeling incredibly tired. I feel like I literally want to go to sleep. As my eyes begin to shut, I hear the audible voice of a man speak to me. He said, son, if you close your eyes, you shall never awake again. What? He said that. As I looked to where the voice had come from, there was no one there, the invisible man. I looked around. I thought, where the heck? Now, in New Zealand, we have special institutions for people that hear invisible voices talking to them. You have them over here? They have a wonderful drug called Prozac, and they have a, an amazing white jacket that buckles up from behind. And they have white rooms for people like that. You know what I mean? Looney tunes. So here I am thinking, well, I'm not a nutter. What the heck was that? Now, I have no idea this is God. How many have heard my sheep hear my voice? Well, I was a black sheep. Any black sheep here this morning? What a waste of time coming here, mate. <laughs> like fishing in a pond when there's no fish. <laughs> Jesus called us to be fishermen and men, didn't he? So I'm a black sheep. Thank God Jesus goes looking for the black sheep. Doesn't he? He said, I'll leave the ones that are already sorted, and I'll go looking for the lost ones. But you've got to know you're lost before you get found. Now, I've got a person talking to me who I don't believe exists. Isn't that amazing that Jesus died for us even while we're sinners? Even while we cursed him, even hated him, he still wants us. I'm about to find that out. By the time I get into an ambulance, which is, it can take me another... 20 minutes to tell you, but I'm going to jump that because of time. I had gone through the death rattles. I had an extreme freezing cold sensation go through my body, and I could feel necrosis enter the bone marrow. Next photograph. So by the time they got me an ambulance, I was right on the edge of death. I couldn't even hear my heart beating. As we raced towards the hospital, 
I began to see, this is your life. Snowy-headed kid with blonde hair. You know, I watched sections of my life. To begin with, I didn't recognize it to be me because in New Zealand we had box brownie cameras. Remember those things? Still have them. <laughs> and so we had very few photographs of us growing up, unlike, what is it, Vanity Book? Oh, it's Facebook, isn't it? More photographs, Instagram, more photographs than themselves, you know what to do with. How many know some of them just can't live their life normally without having their face on? Some of you look like deer in headlights, some of you youth. <laughs> Lead a normal life, it'll help you. So here I am, I am watching my life race before me, and I thought to myself, this happens before you die. How many have heard that? I thought, if I died and didn't make it, is there life after death or is there nothing? I thought, well, I'm convinced there's nothing. Sensation of life, science tells us it's the end. I thought, but I'm a gambling atheist. How many know you can live a split personality? <laughs> the atheist said, nothing. The gambler said, you've been wrong before. Have you ever been wrong before? How would you like to be wrong about life after death? And it's yours. How many know that gets a little bit more in your face? Although well, I've heard many isms, Buddhism, Taoism, humanism, Catholicism, Darwinism. As a gambler, how many would like to back the horse that wins? Or is in the race? I thought, well, I wouldn't have a clue, mate. There's so many opinions. Some people, they believe this is the way. I thought, well, I don't know. I'll soon find out if there's life after this. I'm not afraid to die. As I'm lying there, unbeknown to me on the other side of the world, my mother, who was the only Christian in the family, had also heard God speak. God had shown her my face, and my mum commented on it later. She said, your son, your eyes look like bloodshot. I said, mother... <laughs> that was normal. <laughs> a normal day. Roadmaps, you know. <laughs> Some of you can laugh. I mean, look like you've got the munchies now. So here I am. I'm... You're giving yourself away, some of you. So here I am, mate. I am dying, and I don't know, but Mother on... Oh, she's turned up. Mother on the other side of the world is actually on her knees praying because God said your son Ian is nearly dead, pray for him now. How many mothers seem to know when your children are in trouble and you can be a million miles away from them? How many men wouldn't have a clue what's going on? <laughs> and how many wives know that? <laughs> so my father had no clue what's going on. Mother's on her knees saying, you know, thank God for a praying mum. I'm lying in an ambulance wrestling over this whole question about death, life, what's going on when you die. And I see mum appear on her knees in her bedroom, hands, how many have seen the older people pray this way? Praying. Now my mother's high church, so she's praying. And as I'm watching her, she opens her eyes, looks at me, and she said, son, no matter what you've done wrong here, no matter how far from God you may be, son, if you call out to God from your heart, God will hear you. And God will forgive you. I thought, Mother, I don't believe in God. And if there is a God, I'd be an absolute hypocrite praying. It'd be too late. I've committed so many sins. How can I turn to God like this, having denied his existence? You with me? My mother continued. How many know mothers don't listen to that? They just keep going. So mom's just saying, pray, son. Call out to God. I thought, which one? 
By this stage, I'm not just introduced to Christianity. I'm introduced from Baha'i to, you know, you name it. Um, Krishna, Vishnu, Kalima, Sahibaba. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. So um, I've been given a gamut of different beliefs and structures. So I said, God, if you exist, you show me your face and I'll pray. As I lay there, no face appeared except my mother. I thought, well, mother's not God. How many know they act like it sometimes? (laughs) All the kids are smiling. (laughs) So I'm looking at my mother thinking, well, she only has prayed to Jesus Christ. Could mother be right? How many hate it if your mother's right? How many hate it if your wife's right? How many know that's rarity? But anyhow, you know. Oh, 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 listen to this. They got the men smiling. Some of them were quite serious. So I'm lying there thinking to myself, I have been wrong before. Mother prays to Jesus Christ. If it turns out to be a Christian God, I know enough of Christianity to know I'm trouble. How many would be in trouble if it turned out to be Jesus? How many know enough of it to figure out that you're not exactly in line with all of this stuff? Well, I lay there and I thought, my gosh, if it's Christian, that's serious. (laughs) I wonder what would you pray to a Christian God? I thought, well, my mother taught me the Our Father's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer. I've got nothing to lose. Why not pray this prayer? Because as a little kid, my mum used to pray every night. How many have had this? Mother would get down and pray, Our Father, which art in heaven. And I'd repeat that, pray it every night before I went to sleep. As I'm lying there, I thought, okay, I'll pray it. But as I prayed, my mind went completely blank. Have you had mine go completely blank? In exam rooms or how many call it senior moments? So I'm lying here, no words, nothing. My mother said, Ian, don't pray from your mind, pray from your heart. I thought, Mum, my heart's very cynical, it's very hardened, you could strike a match on it. But God, if you exist, if you see anything good in my heart... Help me to pray, if you're there. As I, as I lay there, suddenly appearing in my, front of my eyes, forgive us our trespasses and sins. How I many know that's part of the prayer? I thought, well, this is not the beginning. Forgive us our sins. How could God forgive me all of my sins by saying these simple words? I thought, well, I don't exactly have time to list them all because there's so many. But God, if you can hear a man like me, please forgive me all of my sins. As I said that, the, the, the words disappeared. Fresh words came up. Forgive those who have trespassed and sinned against you. I thought, well, that's easy. I'm not vindictive by nature. I'm not revengeful. I can forgive anyone, no matter what they've done to me. As I said that, two men's faces appeared in front of me. I thought, what the, are they doing here? <laughs> have you got anyone on your hit list? Maybe you sit next to them, I don't know. Well, the first one that turned up, the voice said, Son, will you forgive this man? And he told me what he'd done to me. I thought, you must be flipping joking. And then the next one come up, God specifically spoke to me about this one. I thought, well, I was going to lay my hands upon him. But not like the priest. Oh, God bless you, my son. How many felt like laying hands upon someone? So I lay there and I thought, oh my gosh, this voice is the same person who's spoken to me all night. Could this be God? How many would love to hear the voice of God? How would you like him to talk firstly about your sin, then your unforgiveness, bitterness and resentment towards your fellow man? How many know this is not exactly the conversation you wanted to start with? 
fact, I read later in Isaiah, it's not that God can't hear us, but our sins separate us from him. How many have heard the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? How many know he can only do that if you ask him? How many have heard of repentance? But then, of course, Jesus then clarifies and said, if I forgive you all your sins, what must you do? Forgive those who have sinned against you. If you don't, your sins will not be forgiven. How many know that's a conditional forgiveness? How many know that would save a lot of counselling? So I lay there realising that I had an opportunity to either harden my heart and die angry, or I could forgive. How many know you can't just say the words if you're talking to God? I thought to myself, forgive them. I suppose I could, but they are the tip of the iceberg. There's a few other people on my list. Have you got anyone on your list? One least, one woman's honest. Oh, it'd be a miracle if God could forgive me. Wouldn't it be a miracle if God could wipe the slate clean, give you a fresh start, and forgive all of your sins? Would that be a miracle? Then surely if he can do that for me, I could forgive my fellow man for what he's done to me. I said, yes, I can do it. I'll never touch them. I'll never harm them. I'll never seek them out. I forgive them. As I said that, their faces disappeared. Fresh words came up. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I thought thy will must mean God's will be done. I thought so far it's my will be done and it's got nothing to do with heaven. How many know there's a difference or a disparity between how you've lived your life and how God might be doing it up in heaven? How many know there could be a difference? Who needs to change? How many have tried? How many have failed? How many New Year's resolutions have you done in the last about two minutes? So I laid and I thought, well, I've tried to live a good life. I have failed. But to pray this, that means I would have to surrender my life to the Lordship of Christ, find out what he's doing in heaven, and try and live it on earth. How many know that would cramp a non-Christian's lifestyle? How many of your friends may not recognize you anymore? So I lay there and I said, well, I've done like Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. To do it God's way was going to take a radical choice of humility. How many know it's hard for men to humble themselves? How many men know that we're always quite humble, really? <laughs> so I realize if you won't humble yourself, God can humble you. It says God gives grace to the humble. And we're saved how? By grace. So I lay there and I humbled myself, admitted I was wrong, and surrendered my life to the Lordship of Christ in an ambulance. How many know there was another man crucified next to Jesus Christ who kind of did that? One cursed him. The other one said, we're, we're, we're guilty, you're innocent. Remember me when you enter your Father's kingdom. What did Jesus say? Today you shall be with me where? Paradise. How would you like to be that one? Notice Jesus didn't exactly talk to this one over here, giving him lip. So I hear praying in a deathbed prayer. How many just happy you got it? As I prayed, suddenly the whole prayer, remember the next photograph, the entire prayer appeared before me. And as I prayed it, I felt the most incredible peace enter my heart. It's as if I'd prayed it for the first time in my life. By personal revelation, 
from a place in my heart where I suddenly realized what this actually meant. Yet I'd prayed it like a parrot thousands of times to please my mum and my grandmum and the church. When I was confirmed, I was kneeling, but I was actually in my heart standing. How many know what that means? In this ambulance, something changed. I really, sincerely connected with God from my heart. As I'd finished praying, the presence of God filled that ambulance, and I thought, I wonder how many men, just like me in their dying moments, call out to God. I thought, there must be many. So you must be very careful you can't judge anyone. Because thank God none of you are God. Thank God he sees the hearts of all men. You may, you may have lived like the devil. You may have had tens of thousands of people that you may have messed up and hurt. But guess what? God still wants to forgive you. And it only takes one praying person, a mum on her knees, that at least intervenes for that person. Gives them an opportunity to pray. This peace hasn't left me in 36 years. The whole testament that I'm sharing revolves around this prayer, pray from my heart. Because this is where I found God. I'd not seen him, not encountered anything else. I had by faith prayed and the presence of God filled that ambulance. Does that make any sense? Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. I was an Anglican. I had no idea what this, all these words salvation meant or any terminology. All I knew is that I'd made peace with God through this prayer. You with me? Next photograph. Suddenly the ambulance stopped and I was raced into the A&E. As they raced me in, I, the next photograph, they took my blood pressure, no pulse, tried another machine, no pulse. This is in medical term. No, come back. We haven't got there yet. I'm nearly there. You want me dead already? I haven't even... <laughs> my God. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Medical terminology, when the body is in a crash mode, the extremities shut down. Do you understand the blood pressure? The heart tries to keep the blood supply and oxygen supply to the brain and the heart, vital organs. The rest of the body goes into what's called a crash mode. I'm in what you call a crash mode. The extremities are shut down. Um, they try to get a line in, but my veins are gone. So they're trying to put it in, and it's not moving. So they're manually trying to massage it. For a nurse who's not seen this, it can freak them out. Because the blood's supposed to circulate. <laughs> but when it stops circulating on the extremities, it's quite a freak, freaky thing. Because you, And you, when you find no pulse, you think the person's dead, but you're taking the pulse from the extremity. Does that make sense? So I'm watching this nurse freaking out. The doctors then see what's going on. To have a doctor intervene and start filling up the syringe himself, how many know you have to be pretty, pretty close? He then said, son, I'm going to try and save your life. Don't close your eyes or you will die. As they're injecting me, I realized none of it's working. And unfortunately, because I was white and he was Indian, he was afraid to, he should go into the heart. But he could, I could see him very reluctant in case, it's, it's not like I'm a cadaver or a mannequin. He's, this is a real person. You're not practicing. You don't want to go too far. So I could see him holding back from going in. He said, son, I'm afraid that's all I can do for you. Keep your eyes open. How many have been in parties where you stay awake all night and drunk everyone under the table? Before ecstasy turned up. 
Perhaps I'm old school. I don't know what you guys are. So here I am. I'm 62. <laughs> so in my world, I drank a bunch of people under the table. I thought, tonight's the night to stay awake all night. Positive thinking. Ain't going to kill me. How many know that doesn't work when you're dying? <laughs> well, this poison didn't listen to me. I tried to keep my eyes open, but I couldn't. I remember shutting them, and as I closed them, now we go, the machines flatlined. In a split second, I felt myself literally break free from my body and come out. The next photograph. Now, how many have heard of people that have died and they've found themselves eight to ten feet above the corpse looking down? I'm on these documentaries on it nowadays. They can hear and see all that's going on. What did Jesus talk about life after death? He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet they shall what? Live. What was dead? How many have seen a dead body? How many know the person you knew isn't in there? It's a shell. What did Ecclesiastes say, 12? Ash to ash, dust to dust. When a man dies, his spirit leaves his body, returns to God. The physical clay vessel is what? Just ash and dust, which we can cremate, bury, whatever. Some will, some will mummify, some will cry, put them in cryo. You know what I mean? The fact is the physical body is no longer there. It's a shell. How would you like to find that you're still alive yet your body's dead? How many know that might be a rude awakening? Well, to my amazement, I'm still alive. <laughs> In a second, I'm out of the hospital. Next picture. Pitch black. But instead of lying down, I'm upright. I'm thinking, did I just die and leave my body? Or well, if we had a power cut in this cerebral hospital? I thought, well, I'm alive, so I haven't died. <laughs> it must be a power cut. How many sometimes go to sleep and think it's three minutes? It turns out to be three hours. Power nap turned out to be <laughs> missed work. Snooze alarm was ripped out of the wall. So I'm thinking pupils dilated, pitch black, don't freak out. So I turned around. I did the 360 turn, no light. That's unusual. Even in dark situations, there's some light. I thought, where's the light switch? How many slept at a friend's place and needed to go to the toilet in the middle of the night? How many know that you've got to put your hand and foot out or it's face wall? I mean, you only do that once, mate. So I'm thinking bed, pans, hospital, you know what I mean? Don't want to stumble over some poor person. Couldn't find a wall. How many sometimes when you find a wall, what is it, one of these things, is it? Where the heck is it? So anyway, I couldn't even find the wall. I thought, well, where's my hospital bed? So I go back, there should be a lamp there. I should have thought that in the first place. Oh, that now you've lost your bed, you idiot. How on earth did you do that? How many talk to themselves? How many abuse yourself and don't want anyone else to do that? <laughs> so I'm saying, you moron, where the flipping heck's that you've lost the bed, you lost the table, what the heck? Oh, it's so dark in here, you can't see your hand in front of your face. So I bring my right hand towards my face, and my right hand passes straight through my head. Oh, that's impossible. You can't miss your face, not that dark, two hands. Both hands, straight through the head. Other, where's my chest? Both hands, straight through my chest, as if there's nothing there. I thought, where are my hands? Both hands, straight through each other. How many of you find that a little bit spooky? 
How many can do that right now? <laughs> Lights are on, no one's home. And so anyway, I went for the whole thing. I thought, how can a man feel that he's alive, but when he goes to touch it, it's not there? Then I remember my grandfather fought in Gallipoli, with the, as Australia, New Zealand, the Anzacs. He survived it. Men came back from that battle, legs missing, arms missing. And then grandfather fought against Rommel in Egypt in the Second World War. Too old, too young for the first one, too old for the second one. He still went. He was what you call an RSM. Do you know what an RSM is? How many wish you never knew what an RSM was? <laughs> My grandfather was a regimental sergeant major. Then we had it in the family warrant offices. How many know they're not exactly happy campers either? The grandfather used to meet a lot of the men after the war and visit them. One old man we visited, he said, scratch my foot, Sonny. I looked down, there was no leg. Remember those, remember those days? Some of those old boys would pull your chain. Well, this, this particular man had no leg. My grandfather proceeded to tell me that men had lost arms and limbs in battle. And when you talked to them, they could say they could feel it was still there. And they call it what? Phantom pain. I'd heard about it, but I'm, I'm thinking, well, we're not talking about losing an arm or leg. We're talking about losing the entire body. I'm thinking, am I dead out of my body? Is this reality? As I stood there, I became acutely aware that in the darkness wasn't just physical, but there was an evil, overwhelming presence of absolute spiritual darkness. How many have felt spooked by evil? We're talking, some of you felt like somebody's on them choking them or oppressing them. How many felt like the boogeyman's outside? Turns out to be hedgehogs. <laughs> but anyhow, I could feel the most intense evil around me, and then I heard men scream out of the darkness at me. The first man said, shut up. I went, shut up. I said, nothing. In those years, if someone fronted me, my family, was a father was a boxer, taught to, to fight. Do you understand? So you didn't go down, you get your head kicked in. So we, we put up a fight. Another man to my left, you deserve to be here. I said, deserve to be where? Where am I? Another man, you're in hell. Now shut up. I thought, hell, I don't believe in it. If this is hell, where's the party? In my world, in those years, with sex and drugs and rock and roll, what my body needs. Remember Ian Jury? Pat Bennett, Grace Jones, and Ike Clumman? Well, I'm... ACDC, do you have any of this stuff? Sabbath, Floyd. I am standing here thinking to myself, well, it's supposed to be what? Everything you can't do up here, you can do down here and get away with. How many know it'd be very hard to grab a bear? Two his tooth. How many are very hard to grab a bong? Couldn't even find the cone. Like sucking bong water. Wrap your love and go around that one, son. Now I've got one of you smiling at long last. I mean, it'd be very hard to have sex. Can't touch this. Some of you are a bit slow on getting all this. <laughs> Can't touch this. Now imagine you've got no physical body, you're alive. It dead. I thought, well, in hell, if it's not a party, it's supposed to be Dante's Inferno. How many have seen the macabre pictures of rotting corpses, maggots, little boys running around with red jumpsuits, horns, tail, 
Trident pitchfork. Put another one on the Barbie tonight, is it? Rotisserie. How many have seen these imageries? How many have heard of Galatians chapter 5? The fruit of the flesh is what? Immorality, drunkenness, debauchery, licentiousness, the desires of a wicked, unregenerated heart. How many have heard that Jesus spoke in mysteries and parables? Can you imagine you've got the desires of morality, adultery, anger, murder in your heart, but you've got no physical body to fulfill it? How many know it's a better analysis of where the worm will not devour what? The flesh. The flesh is talking about the carnal desires of a man's heart. Because your rotting flesh is back where? In the hospital. Isn't it? Just think it through for a second. So that if a person's outside their body, the desires of their heart cannot be fulfilled. Better analogy than rotting corpses with maggots trying to eat them. So if you literally translate the Bible, you can do a lot of things. How many have heard about the fire? Hellfire and what? Brimstone. How many have think little Lucifer fire starters, welcome to the fire? How many have got the impression that Lucifer is in charge of all the fire? Come on. What does the Bible say? God's in charge of what? The fire and brimstone. How did he talk to Moses out of a burning bush off? When Elijah prayed, where did the fire come from? When Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah, where did the fire and brimstone come to judge the city? Heaven. God is an all-consuming fire. He's a refining fire. He's a purifying fire. God sits upon a throne of Fire. There's a river of fire coming beneath them. Ancient of days, Daniel 7. New Testament, John the Baptist said, I baptize you in water unto repentance, but he who comes after me will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and? Jesus' eyes are a flame off. Day of Pentecost, tongues of fire appeared above who? The disciples. Who's the author of fire? Where will Lucifer be cast into in the final judgment? Fire and brimstone. Will he be a happy camper? It says he'll be tormented day and night by the fire and brimstone, which is God's manifest presence. Had Lucifer tasted of the fire before? Where? There was a war, wasn't there, in heaven? A third of the angels joined Lucifer in the deception. In Ezekiel 28, it says that God had Lucifer walking around the throne of heaven with stones of fire and because of his vanity and his pride of his actual imagery of who he was he said I'll lift my throne up above the most high God and in verse 18 of Ezekiel 28 God put fire in the midst of his angelic body and turned it to what ash what did God do to Lucifer torched his angelic body to ash along with a third of the angels and they were cast where onto earth and are called what? Demons, fallen angels, spiritual beings of darkness. How many heard we don't fight against flesh and blood? Principalities and powers of this present darkness. How many know that Lucifer rules in the realm of darkness? How many know that darkness is on this earth? The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. How many have read that one somewhere? How many know that Jesus came as the light of the world to try and what? Take back from Lucifer the keys of? Death and hell. 
death and Hades. Had Jesus spent three days and three nights in this realm? Yeah. When he died, it says the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the word, descended into Hades. Just like Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. What does the belly of a fish look like? Or a whale? Molten fire or darkness? Just a thought. So the king of glory who took sin upon his body, his own spirit had no sin. So Jesus' spirit, which is full of light, descended where? Light shines in the... It says, every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is what? So did Lucifer bow his knee? Yep. All his demons had to bow and pass back to Jesus in Hades, the keys of? Could they, could they be saved? Did Jesus die for these fallen angels? No. Nope. Even though they confess it, they can't be saved. They're created beings. Who did Jesus die for? Us, created in the image of God. Just hear, him, hear my heart. Thank God Jesus holds the keys of death and hell. Not Gehenna, because Gehenna is the lake of fire. Not Tartarus, that's the realm underneath the gates of Hades. Three different words used in the New Testament. Jesus holds the keys of death and Hades. Hades is hell. How many heard the Lord's my shepherd? I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of what? I shall fear no, for thou art. Who would have made Lord and shepherd of my soul in an ambulance? The Lord's prayer. Who was walking with me through the valley of the shadow of death? The Lord. Come on. It says, greater is he within me. Than he is within the world. Nothing can separate me from God's love. Neither life nor death, principality of power. Where can I go from his presence? Even if I descend into the and made my bed in Sheol into hell, darkness doesn't light to the Lord. Have you read some of this stuff? Hopefully you have. <laughs> How many remember Job? How many hate reading the book of Job just in case God takes you through the experience to kind of get it real? <laughs> How many sometimes you can jump from Nehemiah into, into Psalms? It says here in Job chapter 38, verse 17, Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Have you seen the gates of what? Deep darkness. Where is the way to the dwelling of light, and where is light and darkness separated? Paul the Apostle in Acts 26, verse 18, said there's a kingdom of darkness ruled by Satan, and there's a kingdom of light ruled by Jesus. Oh, now we've got the whole finish. <laughs> sorry I'm going a bit over time here. See? I'm standing in a realm of complete darkness, and darkness is the absence of what? What does fire give off? So why is there no fire in Hades? Because it's the absence of who? God. Who's an all-consuming? Fire. Refining? Fire. Purifying? Fire. Coals of fire were taken from the what? The altar and made unclean people Clean, Isaiah, the prophet. How would you like to meet the all-consuming fire of God? How many need a little bit of refining? How many need the dross burnt up? How many Christians should not be afraid of the fire? There are revivalists that send the fire today. Why? They had a revelation of who was the all-consuming fire.
think it's important to sometimes at least get a revelation of what we've been saved from in order to know where we've been saved to. I believe when I die next time, I won't go through the valley of the shadow of death. I believe most Christians just go straight into the light. Does that make sense? When you see a godly person die, they often look past their family members, their faces light up and they literally step in, they fall asleep and just step in there. When you watch a godly person die, you know they made it. You don't even have a question on it. People who don't know the Lord, it's a terrifying thing to see a person die without God. Then you have forces of darkness that are turning up at that death point, and it's not, it's not nice. So here I am, I'm suddenly in the darkness. Next minute, light shines into the darkness. As the light pierces through, next photograph, it envelops me, and then I lift up into the light. How many know when Christ returns, if you're alive, you should be caught up? How many can't wait to be caught up into the air? As I'm being drawn up, I can see far above me a tunnel of light. I'm drawn into this tunnel of light. Jesus said an amazing statement, small and narrow is the way that leads to the kingdom of God, few find it. But there is a broad way that leads to destruction or the highway to hell or darkness, many find it. I'm now moving at the speed of light in a passageway between two kingdoms. How would you like to be in the tunnel of light? How many know you could be going the right way? How many heard Jesus said, I am the light of the world? As I've been drawn along, it waves of light come up. The first wave of light I feel is comfort. Next wave of light, peace. Next wave of light, absolute joy. Like a living emotion. So the fruit of the Holy Spirit is what? Comfort. Peace I give you, not of this world. Joy, the joy of the Lord, your strength. As the presence of God floods me, I tangibly feel it like a living light. In the darkness, I thought I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. In fact, it went through my face. I wonder if I can see what I look like. Turned my head to the right and saw my hand and my arm, no longer bone and flesh, transparent, spirit-like. How many of you will be changed? Mortality will take on immortality. First the natural, then the heavenly. First the earthly, then the spiritual. God is the father of light and will become sons and daughters of light. I'm now looking at my hand and realizing now I know why it can pass straight through my face. I now will know why people have had amputations. They can feel it's there because when they do die, they step out of their body and can walk. People who are blind from birth can see. People who are deaf from birth can hear. Spina bifida, Down syndrome, you step out of that cancerous body, you are completely without sickness because it's all in the physical form. You realize it's a blessing sometimes for people to die? I pray God heal them or take them. It's a simple prayer. Heal them, Lord, or take them home. If they don't know the Lord, I endeavor to try and get them to get over the place of repentance, forgiveness of others, salvation, calling upon the name of the Lord, even if it's a deathbed prayer. I find myself now out of my body, seeing a spiritual being of light in a tunnel of light. How would like to see more? I want to see more, man. I move down the tunnel, next photograph, I come out into a kingdom of light. I had no idea the Bible says that Jesus Christ is glorified. The light around them is so bright, you won't need the light of the sun, the moon, or the stars. I mean, that's a bit different from the halo they have, or the ring around his head, or on an icon, a little bit of light. It says the Holy Spirit glorifies who? The sun. As I'm standing in this radiance, I'm thinking, is there someone in there? As I question that, I hear a man speak who led me through the Lord's Prayer, talk. He said, Ian, do you wish to return, calling me by name? I said, return? Where am I? 
I look back and it's going back into a tunnel of darkness. Or that am I actually dead out of my human form, talking to this being of light? Or am I lying comatized in a hospital, eyes shut, endorphin, starvation of oxygen, and I'm tripping out of my skull? How many have heard of an NDE? Near-death experience means the person never died. What happens if you've been pronounced brain dead and clinically dead through neurotoxin and put into a morgue? How many know you're no longer an NDE? How many know it's no longer an NDE? Come on, you can think. How many know if someone's seen something outside a clinically brain dead human being, it's called life after death? How many know for science to enunciate the word life after death, you have to believe in a supernatural realm outside of the natural? That's why they lump all these experiences, even though they're clinically dead and have been in morgues, near-death experiences. Which is an unscientific statement because the person is brain dead, clinically dead. And I've met nearly 20,000 people in the last 36 years. From all different backgrounds, all different ways of life, all different nations, who have had what's called life after death. Not near dead. So I'm standing going, look, if I'm dead out of my body, I want to return. He said, Ian, if you return, you must see in a new light. I said, are you the true light? He said, Ian, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. 1 John 1, 5. Can we have those words appear? God is what? And in him there's... I've just come from darkness, and the men called it what? Hell, which I didn't believe in. I'm now standing for a being of light, and he's calling himself what? God. How many have heard the Eastern teachings of yin and yang? They're on most of the town and country stickers on surfboards. They're on most of the witchcraft, witchy poos, new age stores downtown. It's called Taoism. It's the root of reincarnation in Buddhism, yin and yang. They make light and darkness equal and opposite. How many realize that's not true? You bring light into a darkened room, what happens to the darkness? So then light and darkness are not equal and opposite. In the yin and yang sign, they have a dot of darkness in the light. Impossible. You cannot have darkness surrounded by light. In the darkness, they have a dot of light. Possible. But light and darkness are not equal and opposite. In fact, Taoism, and Buddhism, all the other religions, not one of them except the Bible states this fact. God is... You can go to the Vedic, Sanskrit, Tibetan Book of the Dead, the Bhagavad Gita, the Quran. You will not find one religious book on the planet except the Bible that tells you this truth. God is. How many know truth will set you free? How many know if God is light, he wants to tell you the truth? I'm standing here, I see no darkness. But I turn around. How many know if I look now and I have a shadow? How would you like to stand and look behind you and see no shadow? Why? No physical body, spiritual being of light, and the light's passing straight through, casting no shadow or shifting in the Lord. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? There's no shadow or shifting, no darkness. I'm standing going, I'm in trouble. Someone has beamed the wrong man up. I know who I am. I know what I've done wrong. Someone has brought the wrong person up to, to meet with God. I should judge myself and go back into hell where I belong. So I moved back towards the darkness. As I did, waves of light came off him, and as it hit me, unconditional love and acceptance. How many know men can handle anger and violence? 
but love, he can undo even the hardest of men. As his love hit me, I said, God, you can't love me. I've broken your Ten Commandments. How many have broken one of them? How many know if you go for one, you're guilty of all ten? How many know that doesn't seem fair? But I didn't write the book. <laughs> How many know only Jesus fulfilled the Ten Commandments? Not even Moses could fulfill them. He was a murderer. David couldn't. In a heart after God wrote most of the Psalms. He was an adulterer and a murderer. Did these men make it? Yes. How? By believing upon God who was what? Able to forgive. Isn't that great, isn't it? So I had asked him to forgive me, but I didn't fully understand this. I knew my sins. I'm telling you my sins. His response is love and acceptance. I said, but God, I've done so many things wrong. I told him my worst sin, his response, pure love. I burst into tears. As I'm weeping in front of him, he said, Ian, when you prayed in the ambulance, the, the Lord's Prayer, I didn't forgive some of them. I forgave. How many have heard that the blood of Jesus can wash away all our sins? Make him as white as? I'm standing there weeping, realizing all my sins are forgiven. I mean, that'll put a smile back on your face. All the shame gone, man. I literally now, now know what the grace of God is. Amazing grace. Remember we used to sing it? Didn't know what it was because it had never been applied to my life. I am now weeping. I step into the light to try and see him. As I step in, the veils of light part. Standing in the middle is a person could only be God. He has the form of a man, but when I look at his face, all the light in the heavens is pouring out of his face. His hair, instead of brown like we see in most pictures in the church, his hair is pure white. He has garments of light reaching down to his bare feet. His arms are outstretched as if to meet me. How would you like to see the glorified Savior, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah, doing that to you? Not this, doing that. Through what? One prayer from the heart of repentance. I'm now standing before the King of Glory. But I have no reference from stained glass windows or icons of Jesus having what? Brown hair. How many have read John the Apostle? said his hair is white, like wool, like snow. His face shines what? Like the sun in full strength. He said, I was dead, but behold, I'm alive forever. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. How would you like to see Jesus doing that to you? When I looked into his face, it was like looking into eternity within eternity. His whole countenance was pure light. I walked towards him in absolute amazement. Out of his face the light came, I felt purity, another wave of light, holiness. I thought, I feel clean, man. I feel like I've never seen before in my life. How many of you he's coming for a holy, pure bride? I'm blown out. I walk right up to see his face, and he steps aside. I thought, why couldn't I see his face? And with his hand, he moves to one side, and behind him I can see fields and pastures like I'm standing on the edge of a totally new planet. New earth. I can see green fields. Next, I see flowers with color and light all upon them. Next photo, mountains with blue, blue sky. Next picture, a crystal clear river. These are actually New Zealand. <laughs> Springs. <laughs> Heaven on earth. <laughs> so I'm standing here looking at appears to be a totally untouched earth. 
I thought heaven, when you die, you're supposed to go up on clouds and see Morgan Freeman and fat little babies firing arrows and Cupid arrows at you playing harps with white sheets on. How many have got pictures of that? I had no idea that God said, I go and prepare a place for you. I've created what? A new and a new earth. How would you like to see a new earth? How many have heard the old earth is going to pass away? How many have heard the old heavens are going to pass away? How? Surprise, surprise, with fire. But is God worried that your body's going to pass away? The earth's going to pass away? The old Jerusalem's going to pass away? No. He said, I make all things. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. I've created a heavenly Jerusalem, a brand new earth and a brand new heaven. How would you like to get a new body? New earth, no sickness, no death, no suffering. Not many of you. Well, I was. I was pretty excited, man. I'm thinking, I'm standing on the edge of eternity. Why wasn't I born here first? Jesus then stepped back in front of me and said, Ian, do you want to stay or do you want to return? What would you do? Central Coast? Or heaven? Eternity? I said, I'm home. I don't want to go back. I'm not married. I have no children or none that I know. I've got no one to return for. No one loves me. As I look back to say goodbye, cruel world, right behind me is a vision of who? How many love your mother? Good. If if she's next to you, just put your hand up. (laughs) You can forgive her later. (laughs) I'm looking at my mum and I'm thinking, if I'm actually dead, and this is reality, and I step through, the door would close. How many heard the former things will not come to mind? You imagine stepping into an eternity where there's no sickness, no death, you're face to face with the Lord. You would wonder if this world existed. How many have heard that the temporary sufferings of this life is nothing in the light of eternity? 80, 90 years, nothing. In fact, it would be almost a passing thought, did it actually exist? So why the scriptures say the former things will not come to remembrance. Not just in counseling, we're talking about actually stepping into eternity. People say, well, how will you recognize each other? Do you realize you may not see someone for 50, 60 years and bump into them? They may have changed, got a bit more prosperous, six packs become a keg, but you can actually see the person. You can know them and pick up your friendship as if it was yesterday, if you really had one. I'm now looking, thinking, Mother prayed for me. If I stepped through, the door would close. Who would tell her that I made it? I thought, I don't know. I couldn't risk it. I've lived such a selfish life. I want to go back and tell my dear mother what she believes in is real. There's a heaven, there's a hell, there's a risen saviour. She doesn't even know the half. I want to go back and tell mum. The Lord said, Ian, if you return, you must see things in a new light. What? Through eyes of love, from eternity, from a heavenly perspective, not temporary earthly one. Do you realize when Jesus comes in, you should be wrecked for this world? He said, he who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He said, I'm, I'm in the world, but not of it. I stood there in absolute awe as I looked back. My, my father then appeared, and my brother and my sister, hundreds of thousands of people. As I saw millions of people going off behind my family, I said, why are you showing me all these people? He said, yeah, and I want you to go back and tell them also. Most won't come into a church any longer. In my days, I was just going to Nambasa, hippie festivals, Woodstock type stuff. None of my friends were going to churches, mate. They're going off to, to, to hippie, hippie festivals. And their combis and their buses painted with flour and crosses upside down, the peace sign broken. 
So I'm standing here going, mate, I don't love these people. I don't even know who they are. I know my family. I know my mum. But who are they? I don't love them. He said, Ian, I love them. I desire all of them to come to know me. How many know that God loves the world? How many know it's hard to love one person? And you could be married to them. <laughs> How many know that God can wreck your heart? If you give your heart to him, he gives you his heart, doesn't he? If he gives your heart, his heart to you, he loves the world, doesn't he? Do you realize I could have kept this to myself? Why should I be psychoanalyzed by people I've never met? Why should I be classified as a nutter? Well, how are they here unless someone tells them? What have I got to lose? I've got eternity set before me. Free gift. I said, God, I'll go back. How do I return? Back into hell. Back through the darkness. He said, Ian, tilt your head. Feel the liquid drain from your eye. Now open your eye and see. Next minute, I was back in my physical body on a slab in a mortuary. How many know that's not near dead? The doctor holding my foot with a scalpel has his corpse tilt his head and look at him. Both of us through the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> it'd have been easier if I floated down, but God spoke to Lazarus, four days dead. Lazarus, come forth. He spoke in the world's kind of resistance. Do you think he could speak and bring someone back from the dead? He could do that to lepers, to cancer. He could just speak and you can be instantly healed. I'm instantly back in my body alive. I tilt my head to the left, and nurses see me who have followed my corpse down. They freak out and bash at each other and run. I thought, what the heck? Doctor drops my foot. I thought, is he going to do a runner too? He said, son, you've been dead 15 to 20 minutes. We didn't bring you back. I'm thinking, do I tell him? I thought, no. I saw a movie by Jack Nicholson, one who flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> Remember that one? He feigned to be a nutter and they left him in there. I thought, if I tell the man here that I've seen this guy upstairs with a white sheet on and is still talking to me, how many know they've got special white rooms for you? How many know they'll try and eliminate the ability to hear the voice of God by whacking you up with drugs? I would have. This guy's a psycho. <laughs> he snapped. I said, oh, God, if I've been dead that long, please heal my body. If I've been dead that long, I'll be a vegetable. Please heal me or take me back to heaven. I'd rather be dead than live on a machine. As I lay there, power went through me like electricity. Within three or four hours, I was completely healed. I walked out of the hospital. I felt that power go through my body. And when I've prayed for people who've been in wheelchairs, who've been blind or deaf, I've felt that same power move through my hands that healed me and actually do miracles in front of my eyes. How would you like to see that happen? People just stand up under the power of God my gosh, that'll be enough to knock you out. Oh, I've watched God do that. You don't have to go to some sacred river. You don't have to go and grab some, some icon. God's presence is tangible and real to touch your body. Does everyone get healed? Oh, I wish they did, but if they did, we'd be in heaven. And all the physical healing you get, you're still going to die. So the greatest miracle is not physical healing and miracles because people can walk away from that. They did in Jesus' time. They got healed. They got set free. Only one of the lepers came back. So actual miracles don't keep people. It's a change of the persons. You understand that? Jesus met their need, but it didn't mean they're going to follow him. He knew that. He was looking for men and women who had a heart after him. So I said, God, please heal me. He healed me. I walked out of the hospital. Next photograph. I flew back into New Zealand. 
as I'm flying back in listening to Supertramp or something on my Walkman, I'm thinking, what's this, God? I'm, I'm not wanting to be with women. I, I, I don't want to go to clubs anymore. <laughs> what am I? <laughs> and I'm praying every day. He said, you are a reborn Christian. The next photograph, I thought, I've never heard of that. I've heard of Catholics, Anglicans, Baptists, Methodists. What's reborn? Do you have to die and come back to life? He said, no, you were dead in your sins. But when you prayed the Our Father's Prayer, you were born again in my spirit in the ambulance. I mean, that's a lot nicer to hear God tell you all this stuff. I hadn't got the church yet. I said, what must I do next? He said, read a Bible. I said, I don't have one. Let's slow down. You'll be asked to go to church next. Guess what? He asked me to come to church, get ordained, and then spend most of my life in churches. <laughs> That's a worry, isn't it? So in six weeks, I read the entire Bible. How many know some of us have got an opinion about it and never read it? How many know that's called arrogance? As I read it, I saw born again, John 3.3. 3. I saw the new heavens and new earth. I saw the river of life. I saw Jesus glorified. I said, what must I do? He said, get baptized. And full of the Holy Spirit. So I got baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues and see miracles take place. Next photo. Girlfriend took me to church. Thank God when I went into the church, I couldn't see Jesus on the cross, but I realized that he had died on it. Next photo. But they buried him, and what happened? The stone rolled away. Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead had come into my body and raised me from the dead. Jesus then ascended where? Into heaven. And is what? Glorified. Arms open wide to any person who come to him. He is the light of the world, the Alpha and the Omega. And the next photo, he's coming back again, isn't he? On a white horse to judge the living and the dead. And trust me, it's getting very close. Because it'll be like the days of Noah and the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, the days of Lot. Christ is about to return. But what is he doing? Interceding and praying for us that we might come to know him. I told my mother, next time I die, please don't pray. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Been 36 years. How many think when you got saved, it'd be nice just to go there and stay there? I thought about it. Lord, I'd come back, tell my mum. But 36 years later, I'm married with three kids, and my, my wife and my kids said, we're not going to let you go either. How many people here have sinned? We just find out if we've got any sinners out there. Some of you got paralyzed arms or liars. How many know if you sin a lot, you actually become to justify it? How many have got a conscience left? Bible says God gave you a conscience to what? Convict that you are a sinner. You may have never read the Bible, never heard the Ten Commandments, and you have it written in your heart. I've traveled in 60 nations. God's written it in your heart. You can deny it or you can accept you're a sinner. Who's the saviour? Buddha, Krishna, Vishnu, Muhammad. The Bible said there's only one saviour of the world who died for your sins, Jesus Christ. And his blood can do what? Wash away all your sins. Have you ever asked him to wash away all your sins? Some people say, well, I've confessed my sins. I said, but have you repented? The next thing is, how many have been abused, backstabbed, used, and taken advantage of by other people? We're talking nasty stuff. Jesus says what? Forgive them. What they did wasn't right. By forgiving them, you're not letting them go. You are literally taking the anger and hatred out of your heart and giving it to God. God will sort them out. You leave them alone. Then God can heal your broken heart. 
The third thing is lordship. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you saved? Are you born again? Have you made peace with your maker? Or do you just have a belief that maybe it might or could do? If you, if you don't know, you're mostly not saved. I know what that's like. I went to church for years. But would you like to pray? Would you like to ask the Lord Almighty, King of Glory, to forgive you? Your wife can't repent for you. Your mother can't. You have to. How many know it's a miracle for men to admit they're wrong and repent? It's a miracle. My father did this many years later. He was a Freemason. It took him years to figure out that it was Jesus only. Not Jabalon, not Mahabon, not the grand architect of the universe. It was Christ and Christ alone. It wasn't all religions, one. He was the chief cornerstone that the builders had rejected. Thank God my father came to know the Lord. So shall we pray? I'm just going to try and turn it back to you this morning. Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Do you have all your sins forgiven? And have you forgiven others? If you're willing to do that, please pray with me. Pray from your heart and pray out loud. Please pray these words. Lord Jesus Christ, I humble myself this morning and confess you to be my Lord and Savior. Please forgive me of all my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. You're the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, take away my sins. Cleanse me with your precious blood. Wash me as white as snow. And as you forgive me, I forgive all those who have sinned against me. I forgive them in Jesus' name. And I give my life to the Lordship of Christ. I want to follow him all the days of my life. Lord, hear the prayer of my heart. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.